back, everybody, to your creativity. It is Dylan with Steve. Yeah, there we go. He's pumping me up because we, we always talk about how he deflates me. As soon as I try to do the intro, he's like, interrupts me. And But anyway, we're here. It's a beautiful, is it fall or is it still summer? It, I don't know. It's There's sun out. It's still summer. It's not 100 degrees, so we'll, we'll go with that. But anyway, it's a beautiful Monday afternoon. We are... We're doing something a little bit different this week. We don't usually. Um, well, we don't usually show up for our podcast. Yeah. Is that what we're doing <laughs> differently? We don't. Yeah, we've been doing them a lot of remotely lately, but um, like from home and wherever across rooms. But we're talking to an insurance person today. Usually, it's like, which I assume can be creative, but you know, no, it's a fitting. Look is at it? your co-host. Like, seriously, you, our podcast needs as much insurance as we can get. So that's, that's yeah, that's we, we may go to other insurance companies after this. Maybe Rebecca can get us life insurance. We'll see. Or, or she'll try to keep us here. Well, you said her first name. The last name is Yates, Rebecca Yates. How are you? Great. How I don't know you? what happened to my voice there. <laughs> With ARC Solutions. Yes. ARC, A-R-K. Arc Insurance Solutions. That's right. Where's the, the Arc part? What is that? Where'd that come from? Well, when we started, there were three partners, and our initials worked out to spell Arc. And then we decided to look up in the dictionary what an Arc was actually defined as, and it's a vessel of safety, which made a ton of sense for an insurance brokerage. So that's beautiful. That's creative. So th- yeah, good start right there. You are a vessel of safety. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, as long as I'm not a biblical vessel of safety, we'll just. <laughs> oh, she's totally like sliding more. She's bribing me. She like okay, Rebecca like, knows what I like. So like as soon as we show up today, Dr Pepper. She had Dr Pepper just Dr. for me. Dr Pepper, yeah. It. My personality right now is pre Dr Pepper. So just imagine me with more Dr Pepper. It's gonna get a little hyped up. <laughs> That's what I remember when I met you years ago at Corporate Alliance and we sat up in that one back corner while everyone else was being social and we talked about your Dr. Pepper obsession. Usually, I'm in the back corner because like, well, they're all professional. I'm just I'm sitting surprised. there making my like, sarcastic comments. And then you wonder why I don't get a lot out of these workshops. It's because I probably am talking through it all and there's really good advice. It just went way over my head. I think. I'm pretty sure that's what happens. And when we scheduled this, I didn't know you two knew each other. No? Dylan. What? Steve knows everyone. Yeah. Well, he <laughs> thinks I know everyone. but you Actually, you do. Dylan knows everybody. Oh, I try. I don't know. Okay, I want to get back to yeah. it. Okay, first off. A vessel of safety, yes. Okay, oh, I know that it's more medically related, but if I want to go skydiving and... Is that still going to be covered if I break a lake skydiving on your policies? Generally, yes. Generally. So there's an opening there that it may be not. Well, so typically when you go skydiving, they have you sign a document that says, hey, I'm recognizing I'm taking on a risk. and." So if I don't sign that, then I could be covered? Well, so it depends. The type of insurance that we sell does cover skydiving. Generally, if you bought a short-term medical policy, for example, that would exclude skydiving. So it depends on which policy you end up with. 
if you came to me, hopefully you would say, I plan on going skydiving. No, so that I, can I would help not you get the right that one. <laughs> that will like just mess up my premiums. So I can't like No, say it won't. That. It won't. <laughs> it's, it's just going to be a bucket list option. <laughs> yes. If you are on a full major medical plan, like we usually sell, and you go skydiving, your leg will be covered if it does get broken. But please don't break your bone. I have to admit, I, I'm, I'm friends with our life insurance broker, and he found out I went skydiving. And, life and, insurance is different. Yeah, life insurance doesn't like when you skydive. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It shows that you're living. So, like, <laughs> so like for me, I, yeah, I, I've been told to never tell again if I go skydiving. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a bucket list option. And Carrie, if you're listening to this, because I'm only like two people listen, I am never going to go again. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm winking. Okay, so you never know. I won't tell you, though. So that's all. So why did you get into insurance, Rebecca? Oh, well, I mean, was this the dream? No, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. (laughs) I legit had the hat, everything. I was ready to go on digs. And then I realized that I'm really pasty and... Out and you would sunburn. Would, Is that what you're I, saying? Well, I'm, I've already. <laughs> I am roasted <laughs> from like an hour outside. I don't. I don't need to be out in the sun. But you're not like. I mean, just okay. Sunblock. They they have sunblock and yes, things like that. But then also like don't like big bugs and dirt. I really enjoy putting the bones together after they've gone and collected them from the dig, but. What I realized is that Indiana Jones had to be a teacher most of the time, and most of his money came from teaching, and I didn't want to be a teacher at all. And so that went the way of the like unsuccessful career choices. Bye. And I wasn't going to get into insurance. I was actually selling emergency medical supplies to the federal government. Can I cut you off for a second? Because yeah. I'm like just rethinking what you were just talking about. And you said quietly like, well, I mean, I don't really like the bugs and stuff, but I like putting bones together. Okay, just a lot of like alarms went off in my head. <laughs> so where do you get like a lot of experience putting bones together? Like I, I volunteered mean, at the Museum of Natural History and I would glue together the dinosaurs. They would give me the boxes of collections of broken dinosaur bones and I happen to have a really strange spatial IQ so I can put them together really quick. So it wasn't like a CSI scene. No, nope. It was dinosaur bones, which are way more fun anyway. That's kind of cool. That is way cool. That's like way, way. Do you still do that on the side sometimes? I had my youngest daughter, and she has a lot of special needs, and I haven't had the opportunity to volunteer really since she's come along. But I will. We're going to have to rope her into it with you. Oh, she would love that, but you have to be 16, and she's only eight. Eh, Eight more years. Yeah. She's also got a really high spatial intelligence, so she could do it with me. It'd be super fun. Just get her a fake ID in a few years. <laughs> She's going to be tall, so I'm sure we can work that, that out. Fake ID go. at 10 <laughs> to, to go and, and glue bones together. It was very cathartic, to be honest. And they always gave me, they gave me one time a nest of um, platypus eggs that had been stepped on. And inside of the nest of platypus eggs, we actually found a T-Rex egg that had been slipped inside before they all got smashed. It's very fun. <laughs> no way. Okay, that's like way cool. Uh, wow. So that's what you wanted to do initially. I was, and then I decided I was going to go into business and climb the corporate ladder and make a whole bunch of money and then retire early and go play with phones because I'd have time and money then. 
Yeah, that didn't quite work out either. Yeah, oh, whatever. You're totally like, I didn't climb the corporate ladder at all. I never, I never wanted to own my own business. Okay, so... But you own many now. I have eight. Wow. <laughs> I found an interview and you only had five then. I have ADHD. That's how it comes <laughs> out as an adult. Eight businesses. Yeah. All right, currently. let's rip them off. What are they? My first business is a clothing for women with large breasts. It's a clothing line. We do the design work here. We have it manufactured in Sri Lanka, and then we slow boat it back. Um, and you, and sell on the web mostly. Mm -hmm. Yes. When we started that, we actually started it in 2008, and we got an SBA loan, and we were very excited. And we spent it took a year to even find someone that would do the cut and sew manufacturing for us. And we went to pay our web designer like two months after we got our line, and the recession had hit, and they retracted our entire line of credit. So that was my very first foray into business. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. It wow. It's quite the learning curve. That was 2008, so it's been 12 years. Okay, yeah. but that's... See, here's... Okay, businesses. What have you learned from all these? Well... And, like, the, the pros and the cons. So, like, a lot of people... And you and I were talking before we really started recording about, like, just you know, my struggles with the business. Mm -hmm. But I think everybody just kind of sugarcoats business and what it means to be a business owner. And there's a lot, there is, are, are a ton of good things, but, you know, it doesn't always start that way. Mm -hmm. And looking back at, like, all these people that I love, like all these mentors, none of them started easy. And it, they all struggled and they all went through, like, different cycles. What have you noticed? Like about all the businesses. So you had one with the clothing. Mm -hmm. And are they all related, different businesses? Or the circumstances probably created all of your businesses? Yes. Well, so going back to the original question of how I got into insurance. I know, I have ADD. <laughs> so, you know, I'm all well, over the board. I was selling emergency medical supplies to the federal government. So I was working with the FBI and the SWAT teams and the Secret Service during the Olympics. And the company that I was working for sold, and they wanted me to move. And around that time, my soon-to-be ex-husband got arrested <laughs> on national television, and my life kind of went into a nice. giant explosion, which was super nifty. And uh, it was a bad week. I mean, I lost my baby. I was pregnant at the time. I lost my job. I lost my house. I lost my husband. I lost everything. And I wanted to move with my company to one of the other states that they were in, and he actually blocked me. There's a little-known state law that can make it so that a parent cannot move their child out of the state if they can prove that it's in the best interest of the child to stay. So suddenly I was in this position where I was going to become an unemployed single mom, which is just exactly what everyone wants to do with their lives. And I'd been offered a job working in this insurance brokerage, and my first thought was, I but insurance people have no morals. And I can't sell something I don't believe in. And here I had gone from selling like trach tubes. I mean, I knew the second I sold that trach tube, it was gonna save someone's life. And to even consider moving into a career where I couldn't see the value of it, or I couldn't understand um, what it did for people, it just didn't make sense to me. And I had worked for a farmer's agent very quickly in college. And he was doing some things that I now know were unethical. He was rewriting people's policies to get new policy fees. And so my experience in that tiny touch of insurance was like, oh, I don't know if I believe in insurance really as a whole. Well, I had, um, my ex-husband had just gotten out of 
prison. And he had, my open enrollment for my group plan was June 30th. Or, and I said, hey, look, I've been carrying you on my insurance while you've been going through this whole trial and prison time and all this stuff. Now you need to be a big boy and go get your own plan, and I'm done paying for you. Now, we weren't technically divorced yet because every time I would say I'm going to bring the divorce papers and he'd threaten to kill himself, and I just couldn't make myself do it, right? And to me, I thought there's really no reason to push it. There's not any. Because it's just paper. It's just paper. You. It was exactly right. It was just paper. That was a really big mistake. <laughs> so anyone listening, don't make that mistake. <laughs> so I canceled him off my insurance June 30th. And on the 3rd of July, my mother-in-law called and said, I don't know if I should even call you, but he might die. So, so you should get to the hospital. And he had gone four-wheeling and rolled his four-wheeler and almost died and had to be life-lighted. And it was bad. And when I got up there, um, the nurse pulled me aside, 100% straight face, said, so you're the wife. And I went, well, only technically. It's just paper. <laughs> she said, well, welcome to Utah. Everything that he is responsible for, you are too. And he just let us know that he doesn't actually have insurance. And we're at $100,000 so far today. We think it'll be about a million by the end of the week. How do you want to pay for that? Like, totally straight face. Oh, my crap. <laughs> And I thought, um, well. Can I put it on credit? Uh, I'll get you his card number. <laughs> got some coins. Well, he just got, got my out. soul in the car. <laughs> well, and I had worked so hard not to be bankrupted by everything yeah. else that had gone down. And I, I mean, I had really had worked really hard to make sure I didn't mess up my whole credit and have to file bankruptcy. And like there had been an error with the IRS and they were trying to say I owed him $155,000. I'd gotten through all of that. And then we got to this point. And I was like, oh, no, I don't, there's, I'm just going to have to file bankruptcy. There's nothing I can do at this stage, and now I'm screwed. And my father-in-law, who is a wonderful human, um, came over and he said, well, let me see what I can do. And he called his insurance broker. He had a small business at the time. He'd just started it. They'd gotten a quote for insurance, and the premiums were so high that they couldn't afford to pay for it. But when he called her, remember, this was July 3rd. She said, your quote would have been effective July 1st if you had taken it, and you have until the 6th of July to accept the premium. And so he did. He paid those premiums. And got the insurance. And got the insurance, and Blue Cross Blue Shield picked up the entire million-dollar bill. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. wow, suddenly I believe in insurance. This is so strange. <laughs> and that was in 2004, so I took the job at the insurance brokerage and got my license a couple months later, and I've been in it ever since and I have stories upon stories upon stories of people that it changed their whole lives where they couldn't get access to care I mean they aren't required to treat you when you have cancer if you don't have a way you can prove payment or like with my own daughter learning that the therapies that she needs like ABA therapy where you land on the waiting list depends on what insurance you have and to me that is just wrong so many people can't get access to care, and they don't realize that if they don't have a way to prove payment that they literally can get turned away from cancer treatment. So I've made it my mission now to make sure people are educated about what they're buying, because 86% of Americans have no idea how to use the plan, and yet we expect them to know how to buy it. It just makes no sense. <laughs> so making sure that people can get access to the care that they need, and it's, yeah, I'm ridiculously passionate about it now. 
but you are like a superhero. <laughs> so, you are a superhero then. I feel like I need a cave. <laughs> you have one. Don't, I'm, I'm sure you have one in the office somewhere. You so seem I'm like sure. a clothes hound. So I, you probably do have one. Yeah, I'm going like, back to I? the clothes. Like you did the clothes. I bet like the guys in China like made you a, a cape somewhere. Oh, my guys in Sri Lanka. Uh, a nursing cape, oh, does Sri that count? Oh, yeah, sure. That yeah. works. Yeah, sure. It's a cape. It's a cape. <laughs> it's totally a cape. Okay, what? so now you have eight businesses. Yes. So the insurance. Well, I have two that are in insurance. So okay. one is a general agency where we built a large partially self-funded product for large employers to help them combat the increasing cost of care. Um, and that one... Yeah, I started that in 2013, I think. Counting based on the ages of my children. That's how I track everything in my life. <laughs> and then um, I have a, I co-wrote a book with Jack Canfield, so I have a company that holds the book. And then um, I've recently ventured into real estate development. Okay, wait, what apartments. is the book, though? What's oh, the book I'll, on? I'll give you a copy. Okay, It's yeah. called Conversations with Top Achievers. Yes. Yes. Okay, that's good. I, have, I never tell anyone about that. <laughs> wait, about wait the, for the, real? The books, the books are hiding in a box. In my no, you, because you people. like interview top achievers. So like, <laughs> don't hide this shit. This is like important <laughs> stuff for people. The people demand this stuff. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I cut you off. So you have the book and then... Um, then we are working on doing real estate development with um, a client of mine who has a big development firm out of Michigan. And so we are actually going under contract on a piece of property that we're going to be building like a Starbucks and 7-Eleven and all kinds of fun things on. And then a couple of my friends and I are doing some wholesaling and flipping and working on potentially getting an apartment building. So, I don't know. So is there anything you don't know how to do? Plumbing. Electrical. Yeah. And I don't like cement, but I can do it. <laughs> you could probably learn the plumbing on YouTube or something. I absolutely too. could. I just don't want to. <laughs> I don't like plumbing and electrical. I can build you a whole structure. In fact, I'm learning how to do stone masonry building work now. But okay, that's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, getting back then yes. to my question. Yes. So my one question was like, I just do. I I I honestly believe that. A lot of business people are just full of shit, and they're just kind of like they're. And what I mean by full of shit is that they only want you to see the rosy picture, and like everything is great, everything yeah. is like you know hunky dory or whatever. I don't think that's real business. I yeah. think that's some a business. But so you talked about you in your book. You probably have have well. You you obviously have talked with influential people. So are there any observations that you've learned, like with running all these businesses, different things that you did right or different things that you did wrong? The wrong one was you need to divorce your husband like earlier <laughs> and put it on paper. Yeah. So that was one lesson. It's an expensive lesson. But, but what, what other lessons have you learned like through all these? Um, when you're business dating and looking for business partnerships, date slow. <laughs> very, very slow. Like your partnerships can make or break your business. I've got 
businesses where I have really great partnerships. We've been partners for a long time. We communicate well, and it really does great things for us. I've had other partnerships where we could never get on the same page, and it really creates problems inside of your business. It, you start fighting, and you can never get your staff going the same direction. Like Finding the right partner, very much like getting a good marriage, right, is so critical, and people underestimate Do you have a checklist of what time. you'd look for for that? Well, first of all, I think you have to be able to communicate well. So if you end up in a partnership and you've got such different communication styles that you can't even have a real conversation and have it go somewhere into steps, you're never going to correct that, right? Somebody's business, their style of communication is going to be their style of communication. And if you can never, for example, if you have someone that absolutely can't sit down and look at numbers and have a conversation around numbers, they're not going to magically wake up one day and be like, oh, now I want to discuss the P&L. Nope, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so being able, just like in a marriage, have that critical conversation, right? Those hard things that people don't want to talk about. Like what happens when our p and is upside down and somebody's got to come in with cash? Who's coming in with the cash? What does that look like? And Yeah. So partnerships, making sure that you go into a partnership with clear communication and open eyes and the ability to communicate in a safe space. Yeah. I'm going to write all this down because actually <laughs> I myself want to listen to all the, these advice because <laughs> I, well, I think it's important. Like, I just don't think that people realize what really goes into business. And um, I actually think some of those lessons that you're talking about are the most valuable things that we can learn running a business. Absolutely. I mean, money's fluid and sometimes you can't, um, you can't control like circumstances. You can't control... You know, the economy is just all of a sudden turning around. You have COVID now. Some of those things aren't controllable, but some of the how you deal with it can be. And yeah. so I kind of like, I like these lessons. Well, the other thing is don't rely on your entire business on credit. Because, for example, with my clothing line, I had this line of credit. And I thought, okay, I've got enough to buy like a year and a half of inventory. And I had it all budgeted out. And then the bank just went, yep, we're going to pull that back. Sorry. And all of a sudden, I couldn't buy more inventory. I couldn't rotate my inventory. And it crippled us. And at the time, it was me and my business partner were both single parents. We had just gone through divorces. We didn't have other capital resources to keep it floating. And it really created a major problem. So getting into a business and making sure that you can handle some of those surprises. Because if you're living on credit, they've got the control and they can pull it. And people don't realize that when you read those loan documents, it says, we can call this back at any time. So be really careful with that credit thing. Also, when you start a new business, don't start it on your personal credit cards, because I made that mistake with business number two. Okay, <laughs> don't put it on. I don't qualify for those, so that won't be my problem. <laughs> so that'll be my business partner. <laughs> I technically have since I bought a computer, but it's more than paid for itself since then. So, well, I mean that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, low overhead. Yeah, yeah. What things did you do right? Mm, in the clothing line, or do you know the thing General. that I really wish people realized when they were starting a business is exactly what you did when you were struggling. Talk to everyone you know. Ask for every piece of advice and information you can get. The clothing line. My business partner and I knew nothing about running a business. We knew nothing about clothing lines. Nothing, and we were just guessing. And what we ended up doing was just talking to absolutely everyone that would sit down for more than 10 seconds and listen to us. And my 
babysitter told me to go to this store in this other town and talk to this woman. And I, I, I kept thinking, this is the most ridiculous thing ever because she doesn't do what I do. She doesn't, I mean, how is this going to help me? Something in my gut was like, just go. And I went and I knocked on the door and they were locked up and they were closed. And I thought, all right, I'm just going to get back in my car and leave now. And something else was like, just check next door. Maybe she's just at lunch. And I walked into the store next door and I just said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for this lady who runs this store. And, and the lady in that store said, hey, what do you need her for? And, and of course, she sat down for 10 seconds. So psh, now I'm going to tell her <laughs> everything. Told her my entire business plan. And she said, oh, well, I happen to have a connection with a guy in Sri Lanka. I did all of the plus size stuff in the 70s. And I've dressed all these celebrities. And, and she started going on about all of the different ways that she's done this exact thing that we were planning to do. And she ended up mentoring us. Um, for like a year and a half. And I would never have found this woman if I hadn't just been going around and telling everyone what I'm doing. And some of the advice I always got was, you know, keep it close to the vest. You don't want people stealing your ideas. But I have found the opposite to be true. Every single time I've come out of the gate and just told everyone around me, I've gotten more resources and more tools and more opportunities than I ever would have if I kept my mouth shut. I did try keeping my mouth shut with one business. I'm closing that business right now. What's the business now that you can open your? I'm just kidding. Yeah, but you know, I think what you said is really valuable because in my circumstance, I remember sitting. We had just bought a building. We redid it. We went from like three grand a month payments to twelve grand oh. a month payments. And I just remember we were like talking with um. It was the the person in charge of foreclosures and that, and the, she she met with us and um. I just remember, you know, her. She initially said, "Now I know that you guys will just probably want to keep this quiet because you know it's you don't want to probably talk about that. It's just something that's probably embarrassing, and you know, so this is where we're at." And I just remember in my head thinking, "Yeah, I'm embarrassed, but am I more embarrassed if I lose it all, or like, and which am I more embarrassed?" And that hit me really hard and I remember talking with a bunch of friends and they were like Steve why would you just quit and and just you know even though they they said it's embarrassing and you know let's just do it quietly let's just transfer the building let's do all this and just you know keep it on the down though he he basically one of my my friends was like why not just go down with the ship and and he and he said so why not do everything and anything you could possibly do instead of letting your ego take the best of you. And that was the best advice I got. Um, that same bank, um, one of the executives in that bank actually is an amazing mentor of mine still. And, and, and you know, they were very appreciative that we kind of, we, we didn't go quietly, we went public, and it gave people to come in from out of the woodworks just to give us advice and give us ideas. And you know, still, I think that was one of the best things we ever did was going public, and I still do that. Like, I, I'm not gonna let my ego get in the way of, of you know, being embarrassed. Because money is fluid, and you know, the best people can go under, and the best people can make it. Sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. It's, it, it's luck and it's circumstances, but the ones that make it, all of them make it because they didn't really listen to those naysayers, mm -hmm. and they just kept going forward. So that's kind of the one valuable thing I learned. Sorry, I'm totally like taking over that conversation, no. but 
I I agree. Like I really that was the biggest piece of advice I ever learned was just to not shut up. Yeah, don't shut up, and you've got to be flexible, right? Like you talked about pivot, 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 and if you don't know what you don't know. And so sometimes you're out there talking to somebody and they come at you with some side thing and you're like, wait, what? And if you can't take that and change with it, right? So the secondary piece of that is talk to everyone you know, but then also be willing to take that information and decide what's good for you and what's not good for you. Do you find, because I find a lot of times when those ideas come to me, my instinct is, oh, that's a dumb idea. And, and they, like I just poo-poo it and I'm just like, you don't have any clue about how, what I'm doing with hand-dipping chocolates. Or you, don't you don't understand my industry. And so I immediately like put up this this like wall of, you don't really know what you're talking about. And I'm finding, the longer that I've been in business now, how stupid I am <laughs> for like always doing that. And so like now I fight really hard when somebody comes to advice to shut up and just listen. And, and to listen and listen and listen. Because you're right. You never know, like, yeah. which advice is going to help. And, and even from within, like, even our own employees having good advice that maybe I would have shut down before, I'm now trying to shut up and just listen and... Yeah. Well, and sometimes, too, you have to decide which is good advice and which is bad advice. A lot of the advice that I was given when I started my insurance brokerage um, is the advice that all of the big brokerages used. And I'm looking at the numbers that they're posting through COVID, and they're, I mean... Arthur J. Gallagher took like a $40 million loss because they niched, which is what they kept telling me to do. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't think that's a good idea. And so I've had, it's always a mix, right? You have to be able to look at it and be judicious with it. I mean, I had a, I had a coach that told me that my model is not sustainable and I can never make any money at it and I needed to shut it down. And I'm like, except I know you're wrong, right? And sometimes I get more driven by the people that give me bad advice. <laughs> And then people that give me good advice. But I think the important thing is being able to look at it, take the knowledge that you have, and then judge very carefully. Is this going to help me get where I'm going? Or is this something that I need to ignore? Well, and you talked about that, that you knew within, like you, you had a feeling inside of you to not go with what they were saying too. Yeah. And, and I think that sometimes you need to listen to those um, intuitions or whatever that is. Yeah. Don't dismiss what you know in your gut. We talked about, you know, that there's so many businesses doing um, the same things and what makes us different or what makes us unique. And I think sometimes it's that. It's not listening to the niches or to the different things, but just trusting yourself. Well, if everyone's going left, I always feel like I should go right. It's like they got that covered. Let me try Yeah, that. yeah. Well, that's where, the, that's where you're going to find your, your vacuums. I mean, my industry specifically, because I've been in this industry now for, oh, my gosh, going on 17 years <laughs> So for a hot second. And um, when I started, it was very much, I would drive out to somebody's house and sit on their couch and pet their dog and be best friends with their kids and spend an hour or two asking incredibly invasive questions like, hello, do you have any STDs I should know about? <laughs> and oh, by the way, are you a psychopath? That was legit one of my questions. I was required to ask these people. And you get to be really good friends with people when you walk into their home and ask if they're a psychopath. So, uh, Did anybody ever answer yes? No, but I was terrified they were going to. Because <laughs> then what do you do? Are you a psychopath? Like, hi, you've just told me you're a psychopath. <laughs> this just it's... went a little south. This really? went way south from where I went. That's an auto decline. I'm sorry. It's time for me to leave. Like, what do you do? Right? Like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to ask if they're a psychopath anymore. But my industry is dominated and by 
63-year-old white males is the standard in my industry, right? And so when healthcare reform came through, a lot of the people in this industry who historically had been kind of solopreneurs working out of their basement or a very small office, and they did whatever came to them, right? They'll do individual, they'll do group, they'll do large group, whatever happens to show up, they do. When healthcare reform came through, they were like, yeah, that's too much new stuff, I'm not playing. And a lot of them swung to only doing group insurance. And what that did is created a vacuum on the other side. So our in, there were a couple that swung over to the individual side and went, I'm only gonna work with individuals and not businesses. But the majority of the brokers landed. I mean, there are 11,000 registered brokers in Utah right now, and there are 934 that are registered to even work on the individual side, okay? So less than 10% went, golly, I'm gonna dive in over here. And then we did something really weird which was we're gonna play in both and we're gonna sit down with especially our entrepreneurs and say, which path is better? Like we may have an entrepreneur that's in startup mode and they're making almost no money and they're better off on the individual side because they can get almost free insurance. I mean, $3 a month. Or we'll have somebody that's doing really well and they're better off having a group plan. And so we sit in this middle space where we really evaluate which path is better and then we spend a lot of time learning that and then I've become really an expert. I actually serve on the board at healthcare.gov. And I fly out, I meet with them once a month at least, and I fly out, it's been like four times a year for the last several years, and I serve on a variety of committees and different things that we're working really hard on making changes inside of the federal level so that it's more accessible for people. And some of the changes that we've made, I mean, we've increased saturation by like 7% with just some of the pieces we've changed inside of the software. And our goal is to get everyone that wants insurance, the insurance they need, and get them in the right plan, right? Because it's, the worst thing I see is when people go, oh, well, I've got insurance, but when we actually go through the policy, they're not covered. I mean, we had a client that bought a plan from one of these shares that's running around, and it had a $100,000 max on cancer, and their 22-year-old got diagnosed with cancer. And the doctor pulls her aside, and Harry is telling her this terrible news that she's got a child with cancer, but then he also says in the same breath, you're going to lose your house. Put your house in a trust. You're not going to be able to get the treatment she needs because it's such a rare form. You're going to have to fly to Texas and get treated. Like, and being able to go to them and say, hey, we can get you on a plan now. And they were paying like $500 a month for that plan, and we got them in a plan for $16 a month. And their daughter's cancer cost them like seven grand total. I mean, if I can fix that one piece where I can help people get educated so they don't fall in the holes, right? Anyway, diatribe, sorry. No, I'm like, I actually, you are a superhero. Be my superhero. I'm, I'm currently uninsured. My wife has insurance and both her and her, my son are covered. But to add me, it's like, what's the use of me even going to work oh. most months? Yeah, it's, it would cost a lot to add me on. So like creative or people that don't make a lot of money, what yeah. what kind of options well, do they I really, have? Because I, I work with, I was in theater, I did theater all through high school, I was in the theater club in college, and I was the nerdy one in the back with the costumes, right? And so, the Indiana Jones hat. And the Indiana Jones hat, because yes, costumes, again, see? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and every once in a while, I'd come out and play like an extra and be ridiculous, but I have a lot of friends that are still in that space, and you know, like they'll, like, my, my little girl has a SAG card, even, which is super awesome. fun. Yeah, she did this great. She acted as a child, so she paid for college, which has been brilliant. 
Um, but then to see my friends that are in this space that are creatives that they lose their insurance because they didn't do enough credits and now they're uninsured during this period and what people don't realize is it's based on your income. So right now we're in a position where so many people have had their income just shut off. And with Utah expanding Medicaid a year and a half ago, adults can get Medicaid. So even people that were in, like I have a friend that works for CERC and he just is now completely out of work, but now they qualify for Medicaid and he can get completely free insurance, right? And then a little known fact, in fact, they didn't really make this huge announcement. I just found out about it at our board meeting the other day. Um, there is a little SEP inside of COVID where because FEMA declared a disaster related to COVID, anyone that's lost insurance since January could potentially pick up insurance going forward. So if somebody was in a position where they were working and they had insurance and had all of these things and then and they, they lost, lost their that. job from COVID, we can still get them covered before open enrollment starts in January. And because their income's lower, it can probably be either free, free through Medicaid, right? Or very inexpensive through the marketplace. Because like Molina will let you do a plan that's free. Select Health requires like $5 minimum but they're very inexpensive plans. And what kills me inside is I know there are a whole bunch of people outside this room that are wandering around without insurance because they don't think it's accessible. They don't know. And so we're, my big push this year has been to hire more agents because I can only yell so loud and I can only get this information out so far. And so we're bringing on a whole slew of new agents because I can't stand that people are going around without insurance when they don't have to. Especially with me getting older and, yep. you know, those type of cancer scares and... Well, even with COVID. Yeah, even with COVID. Right? And so if we do have someone that's in a weird position where they don't qualify for Medicaid or for the healthcare doc or whatever, we can even do a temporary policy. And temporary policies are incredibly inexpensive and they'll last for up to six months and it will cover COVID. Right? So as but we're going into this... short-term won't cover skydiving, right? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so don't do that while you're on that the It's a bucket list policy. idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm with you though like i i loved paragliding that was super fun and, and i think i need to upgrade to the jumping out of a plane i'm not there yet though you just fall you don't have to jump you just fall out of a plane i could do that it'd be fun we should go together the three of us I, it's on my bucket list let's go oh wait and we're not doing that no our, this is an insurance conversation we're not jumping out of a plane <laughs> gotcha right <laughs> let's go have a sugar cookie. Mm, there we go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's code for skydiving. <laughs> Which is code for nothing. <laughs> where do you think? Where do you see the future of insurance going? Oh, you know, it's really interesting because I have a, a baby sister that just became a Dutch citizen. Actually, she lives in the Netherlands, and so we have this debate all the time when all the politics come up. And she's like, "Oh, you should go socialized, and you should go." And here's the truth of the matter. We can't afford our care, and it doesn't matter if we pay for it in our taxes or we pay for it in premiums, we're paying too much, period. Yeah. <laughs> so until the system that they have works because the, the hospital is owned by the state and there is no profit margin in it, where our hospitals on average operated a 438% profit margin nationwide, Utah's at 435%. So. I have a lot of people in my industry that are like, we're all going to be out of a job. And I'm like, no, we're not, because they can't convert to socialized medicine. And if they did, we'd all be government employees and have 401ks. So whatever. And you'd still have it. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, I, I just... Is healthcare getting better? And it, is the industry 
getting better. So do you know what I'm most excited about? Um, we actually have made a ton of progress in medical cost transparency. I was actually asked to be on the task force for Trump's executive order that just came through, and then, of course, COVID hit, so it all got pushed off. But bringing to light these questions of the profit and where it's going and the hospital system lobbied itself out of reform. The pharmaceutical companies lobbied themselves out of reform. And so we've got this black hole, right, inside of our care system where we can't see what the cost is. And you wouldn't buy anything else like that. I mean, if I came to you and said, I want to sell my car, the first thing you're going to ask me is... How much? Right. But you're not going to walk in to get an MRI if something's wrong and say, how much are you going to charge me? And even if you did, they can't tell you because they've created these ridiculous systems of costs, like the charge masters or this nebulous thing they keep locked in a vault that no one can see. And they went, with healthcare reform, what they did is they put a profit margin cap on the insurance companies. And they said, you can only have a 15 to 20% profit margin, but they didn't put a cap on anything else in the supply chain. So when the hospitals raise their prices, what can the insurance companies do? raise their prices and take the heat from the consumers because the consumers can't see that far up the supply chain, right? So the fact that we're starting to make progress on some of those pieces where we can see what the costs are, we can start saying we want to contain these costs, we can start making changes that way. Transparency is not going to fix it completely, but it's step one to finding a better solution for it. I'm, I'm just processing. Sorry. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I've spent my life with dealing with this, so I'm very well aware mm -hmm. of all of that. Well, I don't envy you on that. Yeah. It's all right. I'm, I'm not the brain in our house. I'm the, the artsy-fartsy. <laughs> my wife knows does all the numbers. And Just be born with a pre-existing condition. Yeah. You learn pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Or have the special needs kit. Yeah. You learn a lot very, very quickly when you're in those scenarios. Yeah. For sure. What's next for you? It, are more, you going to go on business number 10, 20, 30? <laughs> well, what month is it? Let me see. <laughs> I only start businesses in March. <laughs> you have a few more months. You have a few more months. Well, so open enrollment is coming up, and we are federally regulated into a 45-day window. So how do people, if people want information on you, actually, mm -hmm. yeah, how can they find you? Well, so Google me. I'm, I have a really good SEO guy. I'm all over the place. <laughs> Pretty easy to find that way. Um, but we, our website is ark-ins.com. And like I said, we have a special enrollment event right now for COVID. But in other years, in normal years, you can only buy insurance during a 45-day window. So we do 90% of our business between November 1st and December 15th. It gets a little bit crazy, but it's fun. You know, lots and lots of Dr. Pepper consumed in this office. <laughs> lots. Um, but because of COVID, we can actually work on helping people even though it's not open enrollment and help them get through the fall and all of those pieces. And so, yeah, what's next for us? It's open enrollment season coming right up. Just in time ooh, for Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very interesting because you have 45 days. You'd think it'd be kind of consistently busy through all of it. No, it's, it's like it trickles in until Thanksgiving, and then as soon as Thanksgiving is over, it is madness. And unlike taxes, you can't file an extension. Like, it's a hard deadline. You miss that deadline, you're without insurance for a whole year. And why did it get scheduled during the holidays? That, that That's really strange. Well. Awesome. <laughs> you want to know? Cha-ching, cha-ching, because everybody's busy, so they don't. <laughs> well, 
part of it is the cha-ching, cha-ching. I'm sure of it, yes. Part <laughs> of it is also how long it takes them to underwrite the plan years from the previous, and then they have to go through a ridiculous number of regulations and approvals. So like you have the federal approvals and then state approvals, and we've begged and begged and begged to make it a longer period, and their response is like, we just don't have enough time to do all of the pieces and get them all done earlier in the year or at a different time. In a perfect world for me, they'd do it in July. But a lot of it was actually because Medicare is already in the fall. So the Medicare open enrollment is October 7th to December 7th, and it has been for years and years and years. And so it's run by the same department. When healthcare reform went through, they kind of went, oh, you guys are Medicare, you can have this too, and threw it on that department. And so that department went, oh, well, this is what we know. We're going to do what we know, and yeah. But in, in my perfect world, if I ran the world, it'd be July. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's I want to be the scapegoat. <laughs> uh, who inspires you? You've talked about mentors, men, mentors a little bit and people that have helped you. You know, I, I saw that you were going to ask this question, and I have spent quite a bit of time chewing on it because I, I pick up inspiration in all kinds of places. I meet all kinds of people, and I think, man, that's really inspirational, and this is what they're doing. But as I, if I had to narrow it down to one person, it'd be my mom. My mom had to make some crazy brave choices when I was very, very little. And she's kind of stood out in the world on her own. And she hasn't, you know, hit any crazy level of successes in most people's eyes. But, I mean, she got a degree as a single mom with a learning disability. It took her nine years. Like, most people would have given up. And she's got tenacity that is unbelievable and this work ethic that never stops. And... So as, as I was growing up, I was always just really inspired by those particular qualities. And then as I've gotten older and I've moved her in with me and I'm and caring for her now, um, I am regularly inspired to find ways to make her life more comfortable, right? And to give her back all of the support and things that she did for me when I was younger. So yeah, my mom. That's awesome. That's good. Bonus question time? Oh, okay. Uh, unless there's anything else you want to cover. Yeah, unless you, guys, you want to ask us. Let's make sure you've all got insurance. If you don't have insurance, please call us. We can help you. There's a solution, I promise. Wait, wait, uh, do you want them to, what's the company phone number? 801-901-7800. And we're very good at finding creative solutions. Like the normal, like if you've tried before and it hasn't worked out, that doesn't mean we can't find something for you. Give us, give us a chance. Yeah, I haven't tried because I, I don't know. So yeah. So we'll, we'll talk soon. Get me figured out. Well, bonus first bonus question: We're your creativity, so we ask, what does creativity mean to you? Well, I am by nature a builder, and I build all kinds of things. <laughs> I like to build businesses. I built a crazy playhouse. My eight-year-old drew a sketch and said, "I want a playhouse," and so I went, "Okay, I'm going to learn how to build a playhouse. This is what we're going to do." And I just love to create things. I like to sew and crochet. And I mean, it's always been something I enjoy. It's so satisfying when you can take something that's in your head and get it out into the world. She is a superhero. <laughs> I want to see this cape. The cake? Cape. Oh, it's cape. invisible, yes. dude. You can't see it. That's when she puts on her cloak of invisibility. Mm. I'd rather have a cloak of invisibility than a cape. It's good. You know, Edna Mole. Capes are dangerous. <laughs> they get caught. In they do. Propellers. <laughs> 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 
Who is your favorite Muppet and why? Fozzie Bear is my favorite Muppet. He's just so chill about everything. And I think because I'm a Virgo and I'm not so chill about everything, you know, I really always enjoyed watching him just be like, it's good. It's fine. He's just, he's good. He's chilling. He's chilling. Life's good. Yeah. I, I kind of admire that in him. And then lastly, in the movie of your life, who would you like to play you? <sighs> who would I want to play me? Oh, well, that's a good question. I think if we were just picking who it would be, like Ashley Johnson, I get accused of looking like her a lot. <laughs> so maybe. But I don't know all these young from, actresses from Growing anymore. Pains. She was on Growing Pains, and she's on uh, that new show. Okay. Yeah, I see it. I'm a, I don't know. I don't have time to watch TV. That's, that's she's building show. she's building playhouses. <laughs> she and then her like twenty thousand businesses yeah. that she's running. ADHD man. It works for me. It works really well for me. <laughs> you just that's have to good. get through school, which was hard. And then you'd get a play all the time and you know. So recap on the website where they can take a look there and yes. the phone number. It's arc A R K dash I N S dot com and the phone number is eight zero one Nine zero one seven eight zero zero. If you're not insured, get insured. If yeah, if you Please. even have questions of what you have going on, and yeah. they can tweak it and make it better and cheaper, give them a call. We really do want to help. We just I I hate seeing people go without coverage because inevitably that's when something goes really wrong. And that that's what I'm fearing is I get older and the walls are closing in with COVID. Dude, let's it's like, get you covered. Okay. Yeah. yeah, let's fix that. All right. I'll be insured next episode. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Only if it's a temporary policy, because those can be effective at midnight tonight. There we go. Yeah, see? You're good. You're taken care of. But no skydiving if I get one of those. No skydiving until January when we transfer you over to a traditional policy. There we go. See? We got you. But we can have sugar cookies until then. You can have a lot of sugar cookies. <laughs> all the sugar cookies. cookies. Remember, it was my birthday, and what did I do? Eat all the sugar, sugar cookies. cookies. <laughs> yep. Thank you, Rebecca. That's been lots of fun. Thanks, Thanks. for Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, bye. Bye. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Podcast is done, man.